islands of Scotland to the spiritual splendor that is Augusta. Grab a seat, grab a glass, and punch your ticket to the power train. Hello, fellas. Episode 10, and it is Monday of the Masters Week. What a treat. Favorite uh, favorite week of the year? Favorite week of the year. Yep. I know people are taking off work or Nothing. watching at work. Basically, no work getting done. No. We got an incredible episode. I know a lot of people out there have wondered, okay, this week comes around every year, and it's like all I want in my life is to play that freaking course. How the hell do I get on Augusta National? Well, we have a guest, Stu Redson, good friend of mine, the CMO of Columbia Sportswear, and he's played Augusta National. So he's going to walk us through how we got that opportunity, some tips that we can use to play and make that dream come true. He's got some incredible stories from inside Augusta National about his round, things you don't expect to notice from TV. And guys, how about his caddy, Carl? Mm, I mean, just salt of the earth. Carl's a legend. I mean, he could have been the best caddy. He could be the best caddy out there right now, at least on the amateur circuit. Not entirely He's literally sure. at Augusta right now. Carl, Carl might not be real, and I love that. Yeah, I mean he's he's the man, yeah. and he also loves meatloaf. He's actually a mythical character. Is, is it Carl? Is it, yeah? It's like a Bagger Vance situation. We're not quite sure if he's actually walking off into the sunset or if it's just a ghost. It's unbelievable. We're gonna get Either into way, that. He knows where to put that ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Carl. I think I hear oh the car girls here. So oh, we're gonna start God. it off with order our drinks. What are you guys getting, sir? Well, you know, I'm a classy man. You know, I love my gin. I actually went going with the Tangeray 10 tonight, if you guys haven't had it. It's one of the few gins you can drink neat with one cube. Keeping it classy. That'll, that'll put some hair in your chest. I, uh, in lieu of the Masters, I went with uh, a, a tall glass of peach schnapps, which was just a terrible idea. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you always you, – you actually – I think you actually do like it. Yeah, I, 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 it's a real love-hate relationship, and uh, at the moment, it's just full of hate. Wow. Yeah, I think it brings out another side of you. I like it. Yep. I've got a little Arnold Palmer with some vodka. We're getting that John Daly. Shouldn't we mm. be drinking like mint juleps, you know, for summer, southern Augusta, Georgia? I mean, that's, that's Kentucky, my friend. I mean, is there something wrong with honoring the king? No, there's ab- absolutely nothing wrong with honoring the king. I just, we could probably be a little more southern, but hey, we're having fun. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, okay. Sir. Well, you know, let, let, let's <laughs> let's get into it here. Okay, we got our drinks. Let's get into our oh sure segment. Uh, this is one of our fun new segments. Uh, we bring something up that we think is important to us, and uh, kind of typically gives uh, the listeners a reaction, and they say oh sure. <laughs> so you guys know me. I'm a big Bulls fan. Uh, well, it turns out ESPN uh, said this past week that Fred Hoiberg. Was ranked is ranked the worst coach in the NBA, and uh, the Bulls front office is the third worst uh, in the NBA. <laughs> so uh, it, you know it continues to feel like a, just a wonderful season coming in hot, sure. coming in real hot, coming in sure. April. Sure, 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 sure. 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 Uh, my Osher of the week. It's Masters Week, like we said, and you guys know I like to, uh, you know keep people on their toes in public. So this is the week where I start giving those random golf waves to people on the streets, have some naps in the afternoon, listen to Jim Nance's butternut squash smooth voice 
over the TV? Sure. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, all right, sure. Sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. sure, yeah. No, uh, I'm sure everyone knows Condoleezza Rice was on Faraday's show recently. Big, big week for 9-11 truthers to get back in the game on the message boards and the forums. Wow. Sure. 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 Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. Brett, you yep. and I really got serious there. You know, we really took a detour on Masters Week, but I think, you know, sure, right? Why not? Well, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the beauty of conversation and 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 democracy. Really, speaking of democracy, speaking of getting back on track, let's jump into a new segment, Sports Psychologist. Um, this is where we're just going to go ahead and either try to pump them up or tear them down. Ev, you want to get us started? Yeah, I'm going to go, my sports psychologist, I'm going to start with Sergio, okay? Nobody's talking about Sergio, and Sergio, take a seat. Okay, thanks. Sergio, you just won in Dubai. You're engaged. Congratulations, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Seve's 60th birthday would have been this week, April 9th. All right, peace, Seve. Sergio, this is your time. You know, you're finally happy with that nice little brunette on your arm. Go and win it. Okay. Get the monkey off your back. Just do it. Sergio. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I went, uh, my, my sports psychologist moment is for uh, my whipping boy, Bryson DeChambeau. I heard that oh. he's uh, he's been bunkered down at MIT for the past two weeks. He's uh, just got a new TI-83 plus calculator that he's keeping in the, <laughs> in the bag. He uh, he heard that rangefinders might be uh, brought out onto the course, so uh, his his data diddle is getting all types pumped up. I'm gonna need him to hit the books and actually show up to a tournament. Wow. You mean like his second at Puerto Rico? Yes, yeah, second. Yeah, I, lo- I, I loved I loved seeing SMU golf shout out that second place. Ain't no- I mean nothing quite like getting hit up by your alma mater on a second place. Really inspiring stuff. Sure. Oh. Uh, real quick, Strat, before we go to Serms, was that TI-83 battery or solar? <laughs> it's a little bit of both, and I'm sure that DeShamo went ahead and uh, jerry-rigged something up so that he can get get a little extra juice from the sun. Yeah, you know he did. Because okay. he's a physics Serm. major, if you didn't know. Well, I think we knew. Um, <laughs> um, sports psychologist for me, I'm going to tear, tear him down right now. Trevor Immelman. I mean, this guy is a master's champ. He used to have one of the best swings in golf. What does he do now? Where is he? You just see him interviewing on Masters Week with his green jacket on and his hair all perfect in place. But Trev, why don't you get out practicing? I know you had some injuries. Quit, you know, quit milking this thing and quit taking all the glory on Masters Week. Why don't you get out and practice and get your head back in the game and maybe make a cut at the Masters? Come on, Trev. I used to love you. Are you calling for Trevor Illman return? Wow. Well, I mean, I mean, he's in the Masters. Wow. That's about all he's, he's going to be that guy in a few years who just plays in the Masters, you know, and he's and he's not even 50. I'd love to be Can that guy. Can we give a sports psychologist right. to Serm? Well, sure. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm fired. You know, I don't think I should say anything. He just called for Trevor Oman and come back. I don't know what to say. Well, you know what? I used to, lo- I used to love him, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, that was a great segment. Uh, so I, I think we can go to a break. And let the people uh, recover after that one. Uh, We are going to be back with Stu to take us through how he played Augusta National. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
and we are back. We've got Stu Redson with us, CMO of Columbia Sportswear, and boy, do we have a treat. So every golfer out there, I think, would say that they would die a happy man or woman if they got to play Augusta National. So it occurred to me, guys, how the hell do we get on there? And Stu might have some answers for us. Stu, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Stu, great to have you. This yeah, is, is going to be fun. <laughs> Should be a good one. I think we're, we've got some pretty good stories of uh, Stu's day playing Augusta National and maybe even some secrets of how we can get on ourselves. So, Stu, I'm just going to jump right in because I can't contain myself. I really can't. <laughs> how the hell did you get invited to Augusta National? And tell me about that reaction when you got that letter. Um, all right. So it, how it went down, like always in sort of, I've worked my whole career in sort of the marketing advertising industry and you always knew, and I read about it many years ago because there was like, there was a guy who was like the head of marketing at Reebok and he, it was in like the advertising press, the guy double eagled at Augusta and he got to play it the day after the tournament. Uh, and so I had read many years before that the there are two days that are open to non-members, um, one of which was the day after, the Monday after the tournament ends, every broadcast partner of Augusta National gets a foursome. Now, some may get two foursomes if they're bigger, um, but they basically have this outing where all of uh, the broadcast partners who helped put it on from Korea and China and Japan and you name it, um, get to take a group out. So I had been a guest um, before uh, early in my career with like a Sports Illustrated and you had sort of heard the stories about, you know, all these other people within your field to get to play. I mean, I always thought it was like a really cool thing. And at the time, so the year that I played, it was the Monday uh, of 2011. So would that be six years ago? I'm, I went to University of Oregon, so my math's not good. Sure. Um, and uh, I was working at the time for Sony Electronics. I ran marketing for the U.S. at the time. And we had done a lot with ESPN, including helping them broadcast the Masters, um, they had taken over the early rounds, the Thursday, Friday rounds were now on ESPN. And Augusta National um, had always been on the forefront of broadcast technology. And I guess many years before, unbeknownst to me, but you know, before my time at Sony, it sounds like um, the first sporting event in the U.S. broadcast in high definition was the Masters. And so if you think back to 2011, and don't know what you guys were doing at that time, but it was sort of the advent of the next big thing was going to be 3D TV. And if you thought people were going to sit in their living rooms with glasses on, watching their own TVs, but that was sort of the where things were headed. So we had worked with ESPN when I was at Sony to get um, the broadcast set up in 3D and had a major 3D partnership, whether it was college football um, because my role sort of spanned not just sort of the consumer marketing, but also broadcast and professional. So we sold equipment to ESPN and work with their team, but also we made a major ad buy. So part of that ad buy, obviously, 
um, you know, they do whatever they could to take care of their clients, whether that was, hey, do you want to attend um, the NCAA football championship, whatever it was at the time. Um, so you get invited to numerous things sort of with that with throughout your career. And ESPN always did a great job because if you love sports, they always have the invite. So I had gotten a call from the head of sales from ESPN um, who had said, hey, I want to make sure that, um, you know, can you give me, a, I think I got an email, can you give me a call? I have like some important news I think you'd be excited about. So I called the guy back. And um, he said, hey, I want you to be our guest this year at the Masters. And I, like I said, I had gone before, and you go, and you stay in, like, private houses. And, it's, you know, you normally play in the morning at some other course, and then you go watch in the afternoon. Um, so he had called and said, hey, based on all that we've done, we really want to thank you and want you to be our guest at the Masters. I go, that'd be great. You guys always, and ESPN, always there. I'll call it there. You know, customer entertainment is always top-notch. And the, and the person said, but there's one condition. Make sure you fly back on Monday night. And I and my, my jaw just like dropped. And I said, you're not saying what I think you are, are you? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you're in for the Monday. And I'm just you're like, in. I hung up the phone and I'm like, you know, doing my own little happy dance. Like I'm in the office. I didn't know what to do. Like you can't really tell people because they wouldn't get it. Um, but I'm fired up like I'm so stoked. So that was sort of step one was getting the verbal invite. And then Dude, hold on one second. Just pose it to the group here. If you got that phone call, I mean personally I would throw my phone out of the window as hard as I can. That would be my move. Or against the wall. Just shatter it. What would you guys I, do? I think I would put my son up for adoption and I don't <laughs> even know why. That just feels like the right move. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if you've ever seen Rudy, he's like, coach, I'm on the team. He's like, yeah, you're on the team. It's like, you don't believe it, right? Like, I'm really playing Augusta. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, after the conversations, too, of putting the Masters coverage in 3D so you can just smell the azaleas. I, I mean, I'm loving this. Good luck, okay, going, sorry, uh, going. good luck going back into a meeting after that call, by the way. Yeah. No, it was a good thing. It was like uh, end of the day, so I was pretty uh, I was pretty fired up, and I think I went right from there to the range because I was so worried about <laughs> my game. <laughs> so, um, so that was sort of step one, and then step two, which you actually did get, and I still have it, and my wife is going to be framing – um, you know, the invite, which was your name and your tea time and when you're going to play on that day. Um, and that came maybe two weeks out. Um, and it was that and the scorecard and just all my little like pictures and things like that, that I still have like in a drawer, like nothing else goes in the drawer, but the Augusta stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty fired up to get, to get that note. So, um, had gone in, I couldn't get there because sort of the invite was like come in sort of Thursday, Friday, whatever, but I had other business. I can't remember where I was, not important to this, obviously. So I think I got I arrived on Friday and was able to get out and play Friday and I think um, no, I think I got in Friday night and I played Saturday and and played Sunday and then Sunday afternoon went out to the tournament. Um, really in time to, um, uh, before the leaders teed off. And that was the year I think Rory had, if I'm not mistaken, like a four shot lead. And I remember just before, um, 
when I got there, I had gone to the, I had walked by the range and they still, they have a little leaderboard on the range with like the top four people or something. And, um, and I thought to myself, God, like what pressure you must have being Rory hitting balls. And all you're looking at is your name with a four shot lead. Like, you know, what's, what's the pressure. So got to see, um, got there probably like the, that afternoon on Sunday, um, the last few groups are teeing off and I happen to be on one, which is a, which is a much harder hole in person. And it really, you don't really see number one much on TV. And, um, it was like Schwartzel and KJ Choi. Uh, and I remember it because there was a group of like six Korean guys that were following KJ wearing his same shirt and they had found a turtle. So I remember talking to them like, why are you guys walking around with a turtle? Like, oh, we found it. It's good luck for KJ. Because KJ was like right in the mix. And all of a sudden, Schwartzel is, is you know, he's uh, missed the number one green right. Like an impossible chip. And we were standing right there watching it. And I couldn't, there were so many people, I couldn't see the ball once it got on the green. But he holed it from, I mean, absolute junk. And made birdie, and that's what propelled Schwartzel. I mean, he ended up winning. Um, so it was cool to be out there the day before um, to see it. And I didn't stay to the end because I think I was so nervous about playing the next day. Like, I watched a little bit, and it was hard to get around. And there were different times, different shuttles we could take back to where we were staying. So I went back and had... Uh, had a number of drinks to calm my nerves for the next day and yep. um, was there watching in the ESPN house sort of that they rented with a bunch of their other guests. Um, most of the guests were leaving the next morning, but um, myself and three others who were getting to play. So we had, uh, you know, a big dinner that they threw and, and watched the ending and, um, and then got ready for the next day. That's what I was going to ask you. Because at the tournament, were you even enjoying it or were you like looking around trying to like scout where you should hit certain things and like thinking about your round the next day the whole time. Well, it wasn't really about scouting it because there's so many people that there was just no chance to see it. And I think, you know, you guys have probably been to tournaments where it, it's a, it's a chore to watch live because you've either got to set your seat down on one hole and watch everybody or yep. if you want to follow a group, you're hoofing it. I mean, you are on it and going. And I think for me, I, um, as much as I like it, I think with, you know, high definition, obviously, it just sort of spoils you. You know, yep. so for me to go home like, hey, I really want to watch the leaders. But I was just, I don't know. I think I was more anticipating the next day. Then I was like, hey, I, I really want to relax and watch the tournament. So it wasn't as much scouting at Evan as it was. I, uh, I just want to put myself in the right frame of mind. But I also, I also want to watch a good tournament because they had, um, you know, Schwartzel chipped in for birdie. And then I think he also then birdied three. And then Rory, everybody was birding two, which is a par five. And, and Rory um, uh, parred it. So there was a whole change right away. And I was just like, I want to go and watch it. And. So, uh, like I said, had a big dinner that night, and um, and then yeah, just woke up the next morning like uh, you know it's your birthday and every major holiday combined on the same day. So I, I gotta like 
if I'm in that situation, I'm imagining a number of things leading up to this particular day of golf. A lot of gastrointestinal stress, uh, one, but be anticipating just kind of the legendary, uh, you know, amenities and, and Southern hospitality. What, what exactly sets apart Augusta from, from any other club, apart from just the, the history as you're driving down Magnolia Lane? Is there anything in particular that just kind of blew you away or, or really let you know, like, today is today's going to be a little bit special? You know, it's funny because whether you're there as a spectator, which I was that weekend, or you're, or that glorious Monday when I played, um, there is not a speck out of place. Like, every, no spots, you know, every sink in the restroom is, like, perfectly clean, not a, not a leaf on the grounds. I mean, it is just absolutely pristine, as you would, I mean, even better than you can imagine. Like, the experience going in was even better than you can imagine. The only thing that was a bummer, it was pretty funny. So that next morning, we get up, and, like, I'm fired up, ready to go. And and um, uh, the the ESPN tradition on the Sunday night dinner, they hire the chef out of this restaurant in South Carolina. And it's a sort of a southern chef, and his specialty is this meatloaf. So he had made, for the group of us that was playing, he made meatloaf sandwiches to take the next day. So I'm like, you know, had... I don't know what I had for breakfast. I think I was nervous. I mean, I just had a banana or something like that. And, and uh, threw, like, the meatloaf sandwich into my bag. Like, okay, I'll probably want this for later. That's great. Um, but I was so anticipating the day. The only negative, the driver that they had to drop all of us off. And we had to take our bags, you know, because we're flying out right from there. So he pulls in to the gates, and you say who you are, and they check, the, and they go, okay, go in. So you're driving through the famous, and the shot they always show on CBS going through Magnolia Lane in. Our driver's just cruising. No. I mean, he's flying. And so it, and it wasn't just me. Like, all four of us just yell, slow down. Like, let us enjoy this. So we... Um, uh, we Got out of the car, you started walking. <laughs> no, no, no. Like he, he went in, he started to slow down. Like you went in, and it was exactly like you'd imagine. They right. they drop you to the little front rotunda, and it is just absolutely pristine. And again, being there the day before, you didn't see this side because you didn't have access really to the clubhouse. Um, you could go as close to, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the big tree, um, but you can get sort of that close, but you can't really do the whole clubhouse or everything. So you're seeing a different side that I hadn't seen before. So you get out. And uh, you have your clubs and sort of say your name, who you are, and they check you in. And then you go in, uh, and being that so many people like me had your bags with you, it was almost like a bag check that, you know, you drop off all your stuff, they take your club out of your travel bag, what have you, and uh, went, in, went in the locker room. To, yeah, yeah. Out. yeah. <laughs> so went in the locker room, and, and which was very cool because it's all the winners. And so it's not like a locker for each guy, but you had whatever. Ben Crenshaw with Bubba Watson with, you know, the, all the guys sort of share lockers. It was yeah. pretty cool. I think a couple of the guys had maybe had their own, but um, but uh, that, that was cool to see. So you're changing in this locker room that's, you know, just renowned. Uh, I had to, you know, I had to, um, uh, I, I wanted to go, you know, take a deuce just to say, Hey, I, I left my mark at Augusta, but I didn't have to, I think yeah, I was just so nervous. So, but you know, just, I would have had just, three, I know, but just using the restroom and, and, the space and like everything that, you know, Oh, it was perfect. I mean, everything <laughs> was like perfect. 
and they had little like snacks there if he needed it. But for me, I wanted nothing. So I had my shoes on, had all my bags like all checked in and everything. And uh, you walk out and they had it. Then you walk down to a side of the clubhouse. I guess it would sort of be, I don't know, my geography. I'll call, I'll call it the north side. Um, and there was a caddy that was standing with your bag. And um, being that there's more people playing on that day than there are caddies, um, because I'm guessing being that, you know, the exclusivity of the Nationals, the caddy called it, um, is much greater than the amount of people. They brought in others. So, for example, one of the caddies in my foursome, he worked at, like, the local Golf Galaxy, and another might have been, um, you know, he used to play on a local golf, uh, local Augusta State, whatever it was. Like, they didn't caddy there, but they probably just volunteered to caddy, which could be another way for you guys to get in, like you volunteered to caddy. Um, yeah. But but so there's a guy, there's probably a guy, so it's probably the first time I introduce, introduce the famous Carl. So I walk up, and there's my bag, and there's a guy who's probably, he probably looks 60, and it turned out he was, like, late 60s, but it was Carl. Um, he was, Carl was gr a little bit gray on the sides, little balding African-American gentleman. And he, I was lucky. I was the only one in my group to sort of luck of the draw. Like when you get there and they take your clubs out, they just sort of assign a guy at random. So I was assigned Carl, who was an actual Augusta national caddy. So I really lucked out and I didn't realize that. I mean, everybody's, they're all wearing the same white, you know, caddy suit. And so I didn't know until we start walking to the practice range and everybody's saying hi to Carl. Like he knew everybody. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a good day because like I have a legit caddy where all the others were, you know, four higher for that day. And, you know, we're just like me and seen the course, you know, we're going to set foot on the course for the first time. I love Carl already. Yeah. Now Carl, Carl sounds like a real, real legend, Stu, but I, I mean, you're hyped up. I mean, you're going through your breathing exercises. Tell the listeners a little bit about the first couple of holes, some of your favorite holes out there, the stories, your interactions with Carl. Let's, uh, I mean, get to it. Well, so the first thing I have to do is get into the story with Carl because on the range, Carl sized me up and... and <laughs> Uh, I am not a good golfer. I mean, I am I, I am currently an embarrassing fifteen five index, but at the time I was probably an eleven nine, eleven five, somewhere in there. Um, so not great. Um, but you can you can play. But but um, I you know I I had been prior like the month prior to knowing like once I got the invite. Every morning and every night, like I was doing two days hitting balls, like I was just <laughs> going to be so ready. So I was, I felt that uh, if I could relax, um, I'd be, I'd be okay. And always my Achilles heel. Uh, get if I'm getting off the tee or not, it's like fifty fifty. But my, always my Achilles heel is is chipping. Um, I've just have never, I've never just had a good feel around the green. So I get there, I start hitting balls and Carl's like watching me and things are feeling good. I'm nice and loose. And I'm telling Carl, I don't want to hit too many. He goes, okay, let's go like hit some chips, whatever. So Carl takes me over and he watches me just like I chunk one, I skull another and Carl is just, he's in my face from the get go. <laughs> and for some reason, Carl starts calling me baby. Don't ask me why. <laughs> that just but sounds right, okay, like, like baby. 
He goes, what are you doing? He goes, you, he goes, I want you to do one thing today. And I go, what's that? He goes, you need to make this ball your bitch. Like, that was the first thing out of Carl's mouth to me. Like, you got to make this ball your bitch. I go, I don't really understand. He goes, you're trying to lift it and pick it. He goes, compress that ball. He goes, I want you to hit down on the ball, compress that ball, like, really go after it. Right. Like, you're just trying to let the club do the work, but just make great contact. Don't try to pick it or don't try to force it. So Carl's having me like, I want you to chip to there. I want you to like, he found my weakness right away. So Carl really had me going like, you know, and he was just like on me. I mean, there was, it, it was, uh, if, if there was that military drill sergeant that you want, like totally having your back, but telling you like, this is what you're doing. As like, a caddy. As a caddy, I mean, he was on me. I mean, he's just like, this This is what you're doing. It's like, all right. So I started hitting some chips in the practice range. I've never never been in my bag before, you know, because Carl's like, compress that ball, you know. So I'm feeling pretty good, and we hit some putts, whatever. So then, like, okay, guys, we're ready to go. Um, and uh, mind you, all of the, all of the um, scoreboards are still up from the day before. Um, all of, and there's one giant just, just off of the first hole, they have a giant scoreboard with every player and all their scores. So if they miss the cut, you know, they sort of stop it, but everybody's names are, so you're seeing all that. And that's was sort of the holding area. And then it was our turn to go. Now, the one thing that I will say is, um, no one was allowed to play the tips. Like they immediately, the, after the tournament ended, um, shut down the tips where the where the where the players uh, teed off from, and they used the members' tees. So everything else was close. So you went to the members' tees, which on one we had a considerable advantage from them. But um, but yeah, I rem I think I was I don't know third or fourth in my group to tee off. So it was um, obviously the other three were also guests of ESPN. So it was a guy from Directv and two guys from Time Warner Cable. Um, all great guys, and we all were the same thing. Like, we all were just sort of like, I can't believe we're doing this. It was all our first time. And um, uh, teeing off, I just, it was the only time I couldn't feel my legs. Like, from the waist down, I had no feeling. Rubber man. Yeah. Okay, so um, you're, up on the, you're up on the first tee. Up on Do. the first tee, couldn't feel my legs, and um, uh, you know, swung you know a little off the toe, went a little bit right. All right, I missed sort of the bunker right, but I was okay and I was in play. Um, and I um, and I hit um, what I thought for my second shot. I mean, I was a ways out. Um, I mean, more so than it looks like on TV because, you know, they look like they have smaller clubs coming in because you sort of got to get it up that hill. And I was sort of at, at the just about the crest of the hill. So I, I hit it and I thought I was on the green. And we're walking closer and um, I uh, there's a ball way over by the eighth tee box. And I'm like, who hit it over there? And Carl sort of laughed. He goes, that's you. And I go, what? I thought I was on the green. And it was the first time I learned, which to me, the biggest difference you don't see on TV. If you don't, you think, you know, most courses we play, you hit it, you're on the green, it's on the green. You know, it's not like you skull, unless it's skull it and it goes over or it's a false front and it rolls back. But the um, the undulations on the green and the, the, the height of the greens in certain spots 
are very, very hard to determine on TV. That was the thing that blew me away because here I thought I was on the green because I was so excited walking in the fairway. Like, I'm on in regulation by her first hole at Augusta. And mind you, I'm like, you know, <laughs> 100 feet left on the eighth tee box almost because it <laughs> landed on, but it rolled off because I hit it in the wrong spot. Um, so, uh, yeah, so had to uh, had to try to get uh, up and down and... and um, made a bogey on one and was ready to move on uh, after that. But um, but that was sort of the first shocking thing. Like, wait a minute, you mean I'm not on the green? And so it was uh, it was quite the initiation into uh, Augusta National. When you well, think it sounds right. like it's only mildly different than your local Muni group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and Stu, we we were talking about that and give kind of the listeners a feel. I mean, wh- what does it take to to play? A- play decently well out there because you know being there you know tv doesn't do it justice so what what can you say as you you're playing the front nine you get to amen corner you know what is a you know can an average player score out there so i think the difference i think the difference in scoring is um where you how and where your approach shots land on the green so certainly having carl and and as we get into the round more I'll, I'll give you some more anecdotes, sure. time permitting. But you know, having having the knowledge of the course into where to land it on the green, which to me, I'm like, I'm at, I'm aiming at the center of the green normally when I play, right? Because I'm not that good a player, right. and aim at oh, the center. But having someone like Carl tell you where to put it on the green, and then the key for me, because the other guys I played with, you know, in many instances hit, you know, one of the three would have hit better shots on certain holes. But having the knowledge of where to putt the ball, and and my putting, I friends that I play with a lot might say that you know I'm a I'm a single digit putter, um, but you know a probably triple digit the rest of my game. So being being a good putter, I mean that to me um, made up the most of my strokes because I just never got in trouble. And I had a guy in Carl who knew how to read every green and knew exactly where to go. Um, so to me, that was the key to scoring where you put it, where you put it on the green, because you're, you're not worried about super deep rough or, you know, hitting it into a bunch of gorse or things like that. Like you're overall, you can really keep it in play unless you get behind the tree. Um, and certainly it wasn't the length that the pros play. So from the members tees, um, for me, I was able to, um, get around, in, in, you know, what would be my normal game? Well, probably I played better than my index definitely that day. I think just with the help of Carl on where to land the ball on your approach shots or any type of chips, but especially the putting. Yeah. You had a good story. You had a good story from, uh, was it 13? So my favorite Carl moment was 13 where, um, I went last just because of, you know, my double. And I think the other guys might've, I think the other guys all bogeyed. And so they all teed off. And for us, like, none of us were really long hitters. So it was, like, sort of hit straight out. Like, we're not going to get there in two. And I, um, I, I don't know. I was just feeling really loose. And I hit, I hit it well. But for some reason, I caught a little of the heel. And I was going right for the trees on the left. I mean, dead into the trees. Um, and I was just thinking it was just going to hit the trees and drop right in Ray's Creek. And I'd be reloading. Um, and for some miraculous divine intervention, my ball went through totally unscathed, and I'm probably 120 yards in front of everybody. I mean, I, it was just 
opened up. And so, you know, we're waiting. Um, we walk out to our ball and those guys sort of go to theirs and then, you know, it starts to clear and they all hit. So while we're waiting for them to all hit up, uh, uh, I think that the, the Carl measured my ball at 210. Like I'm 210, so I grab my hybrid out thinking that's, you know, my perfect hybrid, whatever. And Carl like puts the hybrid back and grabs my three wood. And Carl's like, nope. He goes, you've got, he goes, you need, you need 220. What did he say? No, he goes, you need two, 210 in the air. Hybrid's not going to make it. Like he knew exactly how far it hit. He goes, your hybrid won't make it. He goes, you have to fly this there. And he hands me the three wood. And mind you, I have an uphill lie, and I'm like, no, Carl, like I gotta hit the hybrid. Like I'm this, I'm much more comfortable hitting this club. And he, and you know, he's like, no. He goes, you are hitting the three wood. He goes, this is no question. You are hitting the three wood. I said, Carl, like I'm not comfortable with the three wood. I go, I gotta go hybrid. And so Carl finally like gets right in my face and says, and only the way Carl can was little draw. He goes, baby. I don't know what your relationship is with ESPN, but this likely is the only time you'll play in the national. Hit the three wood. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I give him the hybrid back, and I'm taking a practice swing with the three wood. Well, mind you, if you look and watch in a couple weeks, watch on 13 and see if you can see, because any drive that's down that left side, the ball's above your feet. Um. So I'm taking practice swings with this three wood and every practice swing is hitting about two feet behind the ball where the ball would be because of the, the lie. It's just this uphill lie. And like, Carl, I just, I don't think I can hit this at all. So Carl like goes, uh, yeah, you're probably right. And hands me the hands me an iron and I lay up. Um, but as much as he tried to talk me out of it, once he saw that I had, once he put that three with my hand and saw I had no shot of even, you know, making solid contact. Um, but I thought that was the funniest remark. So I actually laid up um, and uh, had, you know, but Carl was great. Like, what distance do you want? What do you want to hit in that you can put the closest? And I would tell him, and he'd pick me a club right to that distance. You hit in the spot. And the best part about it was on that Monday, you watched all day the day before the pins that all the guys played on. Because, you know, you saw five or six groups play 13. You, I mean, you saw everybody play, you know. So that was the great part about it is you knew, okay, I know if I hit it, if I hit it left, where the putt's going to go, or I hit it short, where the putt's going to go, or where you want it to be. So um, I did hit it pin high, a little left. I did miss the putt, unfortunately, so I made par. But then on 14, this was sort of the Carl move where I hit um, I hit a good drive, and I so did one of the other guys in my group, and we both, the other two got in a little bit of trouble. So um, uh, Carl, the other guy hit on, and uh, what you thought was on, and Carl's like, oh, it's not going to be good. And on uh, 14, the pin was all the way right corner, and on the far left corner of the green, there's a TV tower. And Carl's like, you see the TV tower? And he hands me the club I'm in to hit. And I'm like, yep. He goes, you're hitting this at the TV tower. And I'm like, really? He goes, trust me on this. So I hit it. Perfect shot. Like, I couldn't have hit the shot any better. And it lands, you know, right on the green, far left corner, and the pin's far right corner. So we start walking up, and Carl's like, watch this. 
and he starts counting three, two, one. He goes, look, look in the center of the green. And all of a sudden you see this white ball goes zooming by. So Carl knew the place where you hit it, which was far left because it would catch this almost like a funnel. And we got all the way up there and I had like a, you know, three footer, you know, it was just an absolute like glorious, glorious experience and glorious day. Perfect weather and just, you know, great people. Oh, I did forget to say no shorts, mind you. You had to go pants. I love shorts that. Not allowed. I'm a big yeah. no shorts guy, so pants. that is right up my alley. I feel like that's tough for California guys. No, it no, was no. like it was uh, it was that. hard for me to do because I'm always so used to playing in shorts. I never really played till I had moved to Southern California, and um, uh, but it was. I mean, it it was just <laughs> Stu. I, I just get I get a, an image in my head of it's like kind of tin cup out there with you you and you and Carl. He's giving you the advice. It's like the most odd, strange advice, but it just feels right every time. Oh, he was, I mean, he was absolutely spot on every time. And the funniest thing, so remember I told you I put that meatloaf sandwich in my bag, speaking of meatloaf. So it was probably in the the 80s, if not mid to high 80s. Like it was a warm, warm day. You know, we got there early and hit balls. Well, this meatloaf sandwich with mayonnaise and all this stuff the chef slapped on, I realized, like, oh, crap. Like, I was going through my bag. I think I wanted to I wanted to get a picture or do something. When I went through my bag, I was like, oh, crap. I forgot I had this sandwich in there. So I took it out of my bag, and, and you know, it was warm, right? It was warm in my hand. So I threw it in the trash as we're waiting to tee off on sixteen. Because the par threes were the only two, only two holes in the back that, only two holes at all of a two par threes in the back, twelve and sixteen. It had a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a weight, a minute or two. Um, so I throw this meatloaf sandwich in the trash, and Carl's like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing?" And I go, "What?" I go, "Carl, it's bad. It's probably bad. It's been in my bag all day." No, no, no. It's probably, give that to me. So I pull it out of the trash and it's Ziploc and. Give it to Carl. He opens it up. He you know, starts eating it. I go, Carl. I don't want you getting sick. He goes, I'll let you know in about six hours how it was. <laughs> I'm like a good, uh, i like a good trash bag sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic Costanza move. You know, donut sitting on top of the magazine, top of the trash. Yeah, it's on top yeah. of the magazine. Yeah. Come on, so, Stu, uh, Stu, though, Stu, the meatloaf, the meatloaf, Stu. <laughs> so hey, Carl liked that meatloaf. It was it was good quality meatloaf. So Stu, let's review real quick for the listeners. Sounds like you get. Decently high up at a company that's a sponsor, or you work with a sponsor and you spend a lot of money uh, with the broadcast partner or be a large sponsor, i.e., AT&T, IBM, ESPN, CBS, etc. Do you know of any other way? I think we've talked about a couple in the past of ways that the average Joe like us can get on Augusta. Well, I think, you know, I've read about the volunteers, and I think, Evan, you've mentioned that before, like the volunteers. And actually, I have a buddy who um, his cousin worked like on the grounds crew during college. So I think, and again, I may have this wrong, but there's the first day of the season, the last day of the season. So, and I don't know which I played, but... If it, I either played the first or the last, but then the opposite is when all of the employees who work there get to play, and I think they all get to bring a guest, so um, i.e. Caddyshack Day, so to speak. Um, so that is the other thing. Also, you know, like I said, it wouldn't necessarily be playing, but 
it just occurred to me that a lot of the volunteers, like the three other caddies in my group, weren't normal caddies there. So they were able to at least get on the grounds and walk every hole and line up putts. And, you know, so that that's another option. But I think playing, to me, sort of the best way, I if you don't know a member um, or uh, or, you know, don't know someone who works there, um, really would be, yeah, if you get the opportunity as a employee of one of the companies who is a sponsor or being a guest in one of the broadcast networks or, you know, even working at one of the broadcast networks. Yeah, apparently uh, they're called gallery guards, the guys that uh, guys or girls that hold the ropes. Uh, apparently, if you get that role and that job, you got to do it for free, obvi- obviously all week, you're a volunteer. Um, you got to put yourself up, you got to pay for your travel, all that. But apparently if you get that job, you have it for the rest of your life and then you get invited back, like you said, to play. So, but you know, once you have it, mostly you're not going to give that up. So you give it to your grandchildren, your kids. So it's a tough thing to get, but Hey, it's something to shoot for. Yeah. Or the other thing might be, isn't like Condi, you know, when you guys can marry Condoleezza Rice, I think she's a member now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, sure. that seems like the most realistic one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Stu's telling us there's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Stu, for coming on. We love the stories. Uh, love getting the tips on how we can maybe make that dream come true for ourselves. Because you know we're not dying happy men until it happens. So. Hey, it was like I said. I hope it happens for all of you because it was absolutely amazing. And oh, by the way, when you finished, they had a buffet lunch, which oh. I thought it was. Um, interesting that the lunch that they had was was no joke uh fried chicken mac and cheese <laughs> greens you know corn like the whole like typical sure. like, like southern barbecue food so had some of that um got my stuff you know headed uh headed to the airport and it was like i just remember like flying home looking at my scorecard the entire like you know five-hour Atlanta to San Diego flight, like, smiling, and it was like, that is it. Like, I could, you know. You did it. I'm done. Die, ha- die I'm happy done. man. Yep, yep. You did it. Well, we're proud, proud of you, proud Stu. Of you. Proud of you, Stu. We're proud of you. <laughs> yeah, All proud right. Of proud of Carl, too. So, great stuff. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Stu. Well, Appreciate uh, it. Thanks, guys. We'll sign off with telling everybody to go buy their Columbia Sportswear gear. And uh, when you're out this weekend, compress that bitch. Compress that bitch. All right. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, guys. And just as the sun rises and sets in Scotland, so too have we come to the end of another Par Train. Be sure to follow us at The Par Train on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. And may your glasses always stay full and your ball always end up in the bottom of the cup. <laughs>